today we are talking all about Instagram growth, specifically that phase of growing to your first thousand followers. And I know you guys love these kinds of episodes because my downloads always go through the roof. They always spike when it comes to growing on Instagram. And I understand that this is a big pain point for so many business owners out there. We are all struggling to get exposure to understand that pesky algorithm And that is why I love talking about it on the podcast, because I do believe I've got a few insights in my years of working in social media. And in today's episode, we're going to be doing another sort of case study analysis on my new business, McKenzie Studios. I recorded a few months ago a part one to this kind of series. And that was in the early stages of launching that new business and launching a whole new Instagram page. And in that episode, I was sharing five steps I was going to be following to build that new account for that new business from scratch on Instagram. And today I'm going to be reflecting on those five steps now that we have officially hit our first thousand followers and giving you guys some more real insights into what was the most impactful strategies or steps, what were the things that had the biggest results, what really pushed the needle and what is really working on Instagram right now if you were looking to grow in 2024. Welcome to the Dishing Up Digital Podcast. I'm your host, Alan, a former nine-to-five escapee turned six-figure business owner. This is your place to learn everything there is to know about building your dream life and career as a social media manager. Whether you're just starting out and feeling lost and confused, or you want to take your current business to the next level and double your income, this is the podcast for you. Social media is such a powerful platform and it's enabled me to book out my services and smash the six-figure milestone with only 3,000 Instagram followers. So grab a cup of tea, coffee, a glass of rosé with me, and let's turn those dreams into a reality. So if you haven't listened to part one of this little episode series already, I will link it down below. But to give you a little bit of a rundown or a reminder for those of you that have already listened to the episode, there were five key steps that I was following to grow this brand new Instagram account. The first one was writing a business plan and I kind of shared how important it was to have a list of goals, to do some audience research. All of that kind of stuff is going to help you come up with your content ideas and your content schedule. All of your goals are going to impact that kind of output. The second thing was pre-launch and building hype. So I launched the Instagram page very early before we were actually opening. I think it was almost two months before we were opening or maybe a month and a half. Step three was focusing on good content and leaning into storytelling. That was a really big kind of niche with, with what the content I was putting out. Step number four was collaborating with other people. And step number five was paid ads. So let's reflect on these and add in a couple of new strategies that I used and dissect how we really got from zero to a thousand followers. Now, at the time of recording part one, the previous episode, I think we were around a couple of hundred. We had launched at that point. We'd had our first month of actually being open, I believe. And one of the biggest struggles actually is... After you launch an Instagram page, you might get like an influx of new followers. It might be a bit of buzz. We did really well with our pre-launch and building that hype. We attracted a whole bunch of new people, new customers, new followers. However, it is tricky to maintain 
that hype or that energy or that influx of followers sustainably month to month. So to really get us over that hurdle to the thousand follower mark, the most important things it came down to after the launch, after the business plan was the content creation, making really good content and was collaborating with others. And the fifth step that I mentioned around paid ads, we actually ended up not having to do because we had actually too many bookings in the first month, which was kind of funny when I like reflected back and and listened to that episode. I kind of listened to it it recently because I edited it and put it on YouTube as well. And it was funny because I had this whole retargeting ad campaign strategy And it was kind of funny because I was like, oh, I never did that because in our first month we were actually, it went crazy with bookings and we were still really finding our feet with the business and and, and kind of going through those teething issues, figuring out our systems a bit more. You know, we had some kinks that we had to work out in terms of actually running the studio, not the social media, but little things like the customer experience, the check-in process, all of that stuff for the studio. So we completely paused the idea of running paid ads and just focused on the organic side. I also kind of made the decision to really try keep my expenses low for the for the studio month to month and the reason being was I really wanted it to be as profitable as fast as possible and we've been successful I keep switching from we to I by the way because I'm I run this with my partner so sometimes it's a collective we but I'm also the majority shareholder so sometimes it's an I and I just decide what we're doing but we've managed to turn a profit every single month which is really awesome and overall profits we're looking about almost breaking even on our initial investment because we had an upfront cost of around $20,000 to set up the space. So of course, there's the month-to-month rental payments and the running costs and all of that stuff, plus that initial investment we're kind of been crawling back on. So pausing the Facebook ads was kind of a conscious decision from in terms of, mo- of, of, of the money and the budget, but also because that first month went so well organically, I really feel like we didn't need it, which is such a change of tune from my previous episode on the podcast when I was like, oh, paid ads and organic traffic, that is the best of both worlds. That's what you really want to be offering. And I still believe in that 100%. I run ads every single week to my Alan McKenzie Instagram page and run ads to my online courses and digital products. But I also think realistically, a lot of you guys listening, if you're trying to get to your first thousand followers, with the exception of maybe some bigger companies that have, you know, investors, Most of us are doing things a little bit scrappily, right? We're scraping things together. We are hustling away and we're trying to do things on the cheap because running a business is is expensive and comes with a lot of expenses and things that we have to pay for. So I thought that was an interesting reflection on how we have grown to our first thousand followers with no paid ads or paid advertisements at all. I also think it's really important to just pause there for a second. We'll come back to the Instagram strategy in a second, but You guys know that I am so big on actually having a profitable business and making money and sales off social media and not getting caught up in these vanity metrics. Now, I know you're all here listening to today's episode because you want to gain followers, but I think a really key takeaway here is that I have a thriving, profitable business here, a thriving content studio with an amazing customer base 
And I built to that with under a thousand followers. So for those of you who might be carrying around this limiting belief that you need to get to a thousand or 10,000 followers before you can monetize your business or make really good money, that is a lie. (laughs) And followers do not necessarily mean paying customers. I know people who have a lot of followers and their business is failing. They're not making any sales. So that's just a little thing to flag with what's going on in your head as you work through today's episode. You don't have to to push everything onto your follow account. That's not what it's all about. And I think it's important to be growing your Instagram from a really positive space and, you know, approaching this like, yeah, I'm going to build this amazing community and amazing business. And I have this goal of reaching to a thousand followers, but I'm not going to measure my entire business success by that one goal of a thousand followers because it doesn't actually mean that much. Yes, it's great to have for your business. It's almost like, you know, a tick in the box. It's like a almost like a reputation thing now. Like, oh look, this is a reputable business. They've got a thousand followers, blah, blah, blah. But it is not the be all and end all. It wouldn't be an Instagram growth episode from Ellen if we didn't have a moment to pause about uh, mindset and vanity metrics. But now let's let's jump back into the strategy and what really helped us. So if we weren't using paid ads, what was the next step? For us, it was really about content. Our content performed really well organically. We had some incredible viral moments on TikTok especially. And if I open up our Instagram now, we had around, we've, ha- we've posted 72 pieces of content to our Instagram page. And if I have a scroll through our reels, we have regularly had reels hitting over a thousand views. We've had a couple reach over 2000 views, 2,700 there. We've had one reach 3000 views. Um, our launch party one, 2,900, and then a couple early on that have racked up to 4,000 views. So that's pretty amazing for an account that only has a thousand followers. And that was why I really leaned into reels. If you are wanting to reach more people and grow on Instagram reels, in my opinion, from my experience for myself and for my clients, Reels is where you get the most exposure. This is where you have the best chance of drawing in new followers. It is a simple case of the structure of Instagram, how much Reels are sort of used on the app or or how much users and audiences love to watch them. It's the fact that the Reels Explore page is such a popular feature. It's the fact that all of those tend to be like people you don't follow. So it gives you that chance to get in front of a new audience. And this isn't to say that like graphic posts are completely useless or anything. You guys know, for me, it's all about the funnel. Those graphic posts are great for building a connection with your existing audience. I have also on my Ellen McKenzie account had a few random like semi-viral graphic posts. Like when I was looking at my top three posts for 2023, one of them actually was a graphic. So, So don't count them out. It's not that they are terrible as part of your strategy. However, if you're goal is growth. If you're going to trying to go from zero to a thousand, an ideal posting ratio would be one graphic for every three reels. And on that topic of a posting ratio, let's talk about a posting schedule. What we did with McKinsey Studios 
was plated a lot by air, depending on our availability. So we did take a little holiday. <laughs> I think that was our second or third month in business. And because our first month went so well, we were in the privileged position that we could actually strip down our bookings and availability so that we could take a bit of a break. And while I was away, it was just my family who was looking after the studio. So I also didn't want to put them under the pump with like multiple bookings every single day. So we really like blocked off a huge amount of availability. And obviously, because during that time, we were essentially, quote, booked out because we restricted that availability so much. I wasn't really posting on Instagram. We didn't really need to market ourselves. So we had periods of time where maybe it would be just one or two posts a week. And then we had times where I was posting five times a week. And, you know, that was in sort of launch, not, not necessarily launch periods, obviously like our pre-launch period. And, and when we did actually launch, we were posting that much. But things like promotional periods like Black Friday, we did a promotional period for Christmas. We put a Christmas tree into the studio. So little, little weeks like that, we were like, oh, we really want to push a discount code or we really want to push some bookings. We've got lots of availability. That was when I increased that posting schedule. And this for me comes back to the previous podcast episode where I talked about the importance of creating good content. If posting five times a week means that your content suffers, like your content isn't going to be as good because you're stretched too thin trying to post too much, it's not worth it. Quality over quantity always. And yes, there's, you know, some you know, kind of like rules within this, you know, you don't want your quant, you don't want your quality to mean that you only post like once a month because that's not going to give you the visibility to grow to a thousand followers or to get those bookings or sales into your business. So it really is about finding that balance between the quantity and the quality. And for me, as someone who is a professional in terms of like my, my day job is working in social media, this is what I've been doing for the last four years. Even for someone like me, I wasn't going to be posting every single day on that account. And I think this is, a, you know, another note we can take here. We've got to be realistic. If you are hustling and you're running your own business and you're doing all of your own marketing, you only have so much time in the day. Cut yourself some slack. Stop listening to those gurus who say that you have to post twice a day every single day. Don't do a 30-day reels challenge if you do not have the ca capacity to execute it. Look at your schedule realistically. Now, for those curious what good content actually means, how I would define that, we posted a mix of, of reels on, on our page in the past few months, and they vary from B-roll, just like simple, pretty aesthetic videos with a bit of text, through to voiceovers, through to montages. And I think that's also key to have a variety in your content styles to keep your audience intrigued. So it's not just like the same old thing over and over again. So some of the pieces of content that have performed the best looking at our analytics are those like voiceover behind the scenes vlog. Again, leaning into the storytelling. I did talk about this a little bit in the previous podcast episode. But that was really key with connecting to our audience. But it also pushed us out to a new audience. People could immediately like resonate and connect with our story and then binge through all of the past videos of us putting together the space. The other thing that worked well was like simple montages or even single clips with some nice text and a trending audio. So one that performed really well, we got 1700 views, we got 95 likes, was a video that said, point of view, you find a hundred year old building for rent on Trade Me and decide to take the plunge and turn it into something special. And then it cuts to 
the finished studio with like the sunlight looking really pretty panning around the room and the text changes to introducing New Zealand's first content studio, a purpose-built space for creators and entrepreneurs located in central Auckland. So again, coming back to that business plan, good content is something that's always going to resonate with your audience, hitting the, the audience's pain points in terms of me being like, hey, this is an awesome purpose-built space for creators to shoot social media content. There was a lot of messaging around do are you constantly trying to like crop out the dirty dishes in your you know bedroom or your office are you trying to film content with the kids running around wouldn't it be more amazing to come to our studio so it was really honing in on that messaging and then the storytelling element had this kind of inspirational tone it hit people's kind of like emotions when it was like oh my gosh look at this girl going out on her own and starting a business and that worked so well because Emotional posts are always good engagement boosters, but in particular for our audience, they're also business owners. So seeing a video where I'm going out there, I'm taking the plunge, I'm taking a risk, I'm setting up my own studio, launching this new business, that is so relatable for my audience. And that relatability, that connection is when you get a spike in engagement. That is when that more engagement leads to more views. The algorithm is going to be like, oh, there's lots of people liking this post or commenting on this post. Let's push it out to more people. That's when you get pushed out to a new audience. And that is where those followers start to come in. And that is exactly why I love reels. <laughs> there's so much opportunity there and it's worked really well for us. However, I'm going to add a little like asterisk here. For us, as I mentioned previously, we are also on TikTok and I know we wouldn't be at a thousand followers right now if we hadn't been on TikTok. And this wasn't something that I think I mentioned in the previous episode, but I am a big fan of multi-content platform marketing or multi-platform marketing. I personally don't think just being on Instagram is enough as a business owner. I think you need to have at least a secondary platform when I talk about, you know, the Dishing Up Digital kind of empire and my courses and my agency, we are on so many platforms. Obviously, we have this podcast that you're listening to. We have the YouTube channel. Uh, there is the Instagram page. We actually have two Instagram accounts. Then I have my email list and I'm looking to get into Pinterest for 2024. Oh, and of course, I forgot TikTok. <laughs> so you can see there's a, a lot on the go. And again, I had to be realistic with starting a new business. I cannot start on all these platforms straight away. And that's what I also try and remind a lot of my students when they get caught in that comparison trap and they're like, oh my gosh, Ellen is doing all these things. I need to do that too. When I started my business, I just had an Instagram and I just had a YouTube. And the YouTube was a lot more casual. I really put 100% of my effort into Instagram and then a little bit into YouTube. Then once I'd gotten really good at those two platforms and they were both becoming more consistent, that was when I started the podcast. I didn't start my podcast until 2021. So that was a year after going full time, almost two years into like starting my business and side hustling. Then it wasn't until another, another year later, I believe, was when I started TikTok. So you can see it's a slow process of adding these apps, these other platforms in so that I can keep up with all of them so that I can really learn and then get really good and consistent. So then it's easy posting on Instagram and that's when I can naturally transition into another app. So for me, I knew I wanted to have two from the beginning with McKenzie Studios, but I knew I wouldn't have the capacity to do more than that. I knew there was no capacity for a podcast or a blog or anything like that. And for me, an easy kind of two platform approach to launching a new business is Instagram and TikTok because there is repurposing that you can do across from the two 
apps. So if I open up our reels and have a look, one, two, three, three of the first um, four have also been posted to TikTok. One is a straight repost to Instagram. It's literally got the TikTok text and everything. I just download it off like a third party website. So it removes the logos for me. If you want to know how to do that, just Google. There's like a million websites that will do it for you. The other one, I was using a CapCut uh, template. You know, the audio that's like, what do you mean? What, what, what do you mean? And it's like Jennifer Lawrence. I love it. Um, to be fair, that didn't do very well on TikTok, but it has done pretty well on Instagram. It's got over a thousand views. Again, great for an account that only has a thousand followers. And we've got th over 30 likes on that post and a couple of comments as well. One trick I also like to do here is edit the video on my computer or on CapCut or something. And then I add the text in Instagram and I add the text in TikTok. So it can be a little bit of a slower process. Again, I do have those videos where I just strip it from TikTok and upload it to Instagram Reels. But sometimes I'll do the unique kind of captions or fonts or text or whatever on each app. So it looks really native to each of them. I think this is changing a little bit or it's different a little bit on Instagram. I think people are very acceptive of TikTok text and fonts and even Instagram has now changed their fonts to look very similar to TikTok. You can have like the black outline in Instagram now, but I would never upload my Instagram fonts and text onto TikTok unless it's like a very simple white text and maybe I'm just feeling super lazy. But most of the time I really try and make the text its own in TikTok. And this also can help with SEO. TikTok is really good with their search engine. And if you're using text in TikTok in the TikTok editor, it's going to take that into consideration as keywords when people are searching up certain topics. So again, I didn't really mention this as part of the part one of, of this sort of podcast series and growing on Instagram, but it was always my plan to not just rely on Instagram. And it's kind of weird because we're talking about this whole episode is about how to grow on Instagram. And I will often say to people when they're like, I need to grow, I'm not growing, I've stagnated. My advice is literally get off Instagram, like grow on Instagram by getting off Instagram. And this looks different for different businesses. Maybe it's getting out to networking events. Maybe it's speaking to some of those networking events. Maybe it's starting a Facebook group. Maybe it's starting a YouTube channel. It's different for everyone. And for McKenzie Studios, it was a case of just getting onto TikTok. And TikTok is where we saw some crazy results. I think, let me open it up. Let me double check what the views are at, because that's the other beautiful thing about TikTok is the views just keep going. Uh, you can post a video and six months later, it's still getting views and comments. So our most viral video there has 49 and a half thousand views. 49,000 people have watched our little about us video, which is awesome. We've also got another one here that has 7,300 views, 3,000 views, uh, a couple of thousand views. Another one that has 12,400 views. And I posted that one more recently. So that's definitely going to keep going up. But that is incredible exposure. And what happens when people find us on TikTok is they actually come over and follow us on Instagram. So this is how we grow faster, right? We have those reels working, we're posting on the Instagram app and, and reaching new people that way. But we also have our fingers in other pies, right? We've got other streams, other places where audiences can find us. And the reason I know so many people have found us on TikTok is because I have asked our customers that have booked in. I also get people messaging on Instagram all the time. This is the same with my Ellen McKenzie Instagram, but it will be like, hey, I found you on TikTok or I found this video on TikTok. And then they have like a follow-up question or they're like, how, how can I book in? Or, 
you know, X, Y, and Z. I also know from the workshop that I hosted at the studio back in September that all of the people there, bar one who already followed me, all of the others had found us on TikTok. So they bought through Instagram. I didn't really advertise the workshop on TikTok. So they'd come over and they'd followed us on Instagram and then they became a customer. So again, I know you're probably annoyed with me. You clicked on this episode because you wanted to learn all about Instagram strategy. And here I am talking about how amazing TikTok is, but it doesn't have to be TikTok. It can be a podcast. It can be a YouTube channel. It can be a blog. It can be Pinterest, whatever works for you and your business. I just really believe if you want to grow quickly on Instagram, it is smart to have a secondary app. So after creating good content, and utilizing other social platforms to find more followers and send them back to Instagram. The third thing that I noticed as a key shift in getting us to the thousand follower mark was collaborating with other audiences or other people so that we could reach their audience and also really building this strong community with our customers. The beauty of our studio and the business model there is people are obviously coming in creating content in the studio and then posting it on social media, which means we can then repost it. And that has been the other large portion of our content. It has been the photos and videos we've been reposting from our customers. I have honestly been taken back a little bit from the response and the support we have had from our customers. It has sort of blown my mind. It's been awesome to see how many people tag us, how many people share our content, how many people talk about us. Like one of our reels that has 2000 views that was from launch day was because so many people just shared our reel on their stories and were like, hey, check out this amazing new business, which I'm so freaking grateful for. And it just reminded me how important community and collaboration is on social media. It's all about being social and connecting with others. If we had just had this really inactive social media where I only logged on once a week, where I didn't go and like our customer photos, where I didn't go and actively follow our customers when they booked in as well, or follow other businesses back when they they followed us, this wouldn't have worked, right? Because people wouldn't be wanting to share about our studio on their Instagram because I wouldn't be interacting with them. And I think it's this nice little relationship, especially with some of the photographers who've been into our space. So it's a really nice connection that we have where they post about us and we get exposure to their audience, but then we also reshare their content. We tag them, we refer them to our customers. So there's a nice little piece of exposure uh, in our community. And I love that that relationship. Like, hey, let me shout you out and you'll shout me out. And, and there's been no specific conversation in that sense where we have had a relationship of let's do a shout out for each. It's just something that happens really naturally when you are active on Instagram every day, when you're checking in with your community. We have had a few more organized collaborations as well. So we had a furniture sponsor for the studio and we did um, a couple of like shared reels where we invited them as a collaborator. So it went out on both of our accounts. That was where we got some really great exposure because they had a larger audience than us. We also have worked with another party hire company. So they came into the studio, we shot a whole bunch of content and we've created like a custom little collaboration package that we now sell on our website. But that was also just great exposure on social media because again, we were inviting them as a collaborator, we were tagging them, they were reposting us. We also had someone who supplied like donuts and a whole bunch of food for the photo shoot. So it was tagging them, getting featured on their stories, all of that stuff. I will say sometimes we don't get tagged, uh, which can be really 
sad. Like it's it's kind of awesome. Like for example, we had Sim from Girls That Invest, which is an incredible podcast. I'm sure you've all heard of it. But she came into a studio with her sort of social media strategist and they did like a shoot together. And I absolutely freaked out when I saw like our studio on Sims Instagram and Girls That Invest has like I think like 300,000 Instagram followers so great exposure however we weren't tagged so you have moments like that where you know it's happened a couple of times we've had some big influencers come in and they don't tag us and we're like oh man missed opportunity but on the flip side we do have a, a large portion of people who love to shout our name and spread the word which is really awesome. And I will say that is the one kind of risk of using collaboration as a key strategy for growth on Instagram is like it's it's not always going to work every time. You might have some accounts that you collaborate with and maybe they don't have a super engaged community and it doesn't lead to any new followers. But I think the key thing is making sure you've got a few different collaborations on the go that you're really engaging with that community. And it's something that just like builds on top of each other. And this is where I also suggest a lot of companies look at doing influence marketing. This is definitely going to be part of our plan for 2024. So that's when we'll have a more, more of a formal agreement where we'll give people free time in the studio in exchange for a certain amount of posts. And this is where we get into a whole other topic of influence marketing. And, you know, some influencers won't do that for free. There will be a fee involved. And, you know, some people will say that you should be doing contracts, all of that stuff. And maybe this is another episode that I could do further down the tra- further down the line talking about working with influencers. But I do 100% believe in doing it regardless of the, you know, conversations and negative conversations in the industry, the downsides of working with in- influencers, some of the bad stories that you hear. Regardless of all of that, I still think it's worth it. And I just think the exposure to someone else's community, especially when you are in this, you know, under a thousand followers or around the thousand follower mark. It is so key for exposure in your business. The businesses that I have personally studied that have done well on social media have leaned so heavily into collaboration and influencer marketing. I do think it is really hard to grow organically to a larger scale on social media this day and age. There's a lot of businesses competing for attention. And I just think as much as some people like to hate influencers, There's people out there that have incredibly engaged communities, incredibly loyal communities that will just snap up everything that that influencer mentions. So I'm excited to potentially update you guys on how that works in 2024. But I think getting to the thousand thousand follower mark has shown us how that collaboration and being featured on people's pages, how it does play an important part in the puzzle. So just to recap on some of the key things that we've discussed, because I feel like I've rambled a lot. You know, you guys know that I get really excited about these kind of topics. But the first thing was focusing on the good content, leaning into the storytelling, hitting the emotions, the pain points with your key target market or your audience. Number two was making sure that you're on other social platforms. So for us having TikTok as a driver for more traffic over to our Instagram page. Number three was collaborating with others, utilizing our amazing community, connecting with our customers, being really engaged on social media, and also just looking for other businesses we could collaborate with. We did actually have a uh, a couple of events in the studio as well. So we had someone come in and run a candle workshop. And so they brought in a whole bunch of influencers, which was really awesome because we could kind of like piggyback off of that. And then we also had a networking event hold their Christmas party. It's a group called She's Owns, She Owns It, which I'm also in. 
and they had their annual Christmas party there, which was awesome because it was like our perfect audience of a whole bunch of business owners. And again, I really utilized the content as much as possible. Unfortunately for that event, we didn't really get many people posting on Instagram or tagging us at all. But the benefit was that I also went along to the event because I knew it would be really important to capture some content. And I edited a little reel together, invited the She Owns It um, page as a collaborator. They accepted. So we also got pushed out to their community as well. And that was one of our top performing reels. And finally, I guess coming back to what I said earlier on in the episode to recap was just, this is all organic. We haven't relied on any paid ads. I think I definitely want to bring that in in 2024, bringing in the paid ads, continuing with the good content more collaborations, more influencers, perhaps some influencer partnerships there. That is going to be the next step. And I think the next milestone, I mean, the next milestone, I guess, is 2,000 followers, but I also want to say like 5,000 followers would probably be the goal. I think that would be the big goal. If we can get to 2,000 followers, I'll be like super happy. But 5,000, I think, is the big next dream milestone. So I hope today's episode was interesting. I think it's a a little bit of a long one, um, but I hope it had some interesting insights. I had someone leave a mean comment on my YouTube video that they didn't like part one of this. That was on YouTube because it was too much of me just talking about myself and it wasn't a step-by-step guide. But I'm hoping by like recapping the steps at the end there, you kind of get an idea like, yes, it is step-by-step, but this is also a case study. And to be honest, I think a case study is the best way to learn. It's much more useful than just me sitting here prattling off some steps. So I hope you guys agree with that and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Remember to subscribe and I'll catch you in next week's episode.